Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Welcome to Seasons. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. Chef, it's that time of the month where we... We're live. I can see you. You're right in front of me. I love it. And your hair looks fantastic. It's kind of a mess right now, but more importantly, your nails are not a mess. They're phenomenal. Thank you. <laughs> Listeners, for those of you who want to walk into our crazy, welcome. <laughs> Chef and I have been doing this for a year, and we do it virtually, so when we get to see each other face-to-face, it's like a big party. We get excited about nail polish. And hair color. That's right. <laughs> we are live from Gateway Community College in New Haven, and we're talking about diners. Wow. Diner culture. What a community. Like, what a whole... When we do- started diving deep into this, I had no idea the rabbit hole we were going to start going down. By the way, speaking of rabbit hole, did you know, for example, that diners were invented just a stone's throw away in Rhode Island in the late 1800s? Wow. I, di- I did not know that until our producers told us that. That's pretty – I mean, it's pretty crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had no idea. And not only that, I think they were for men only. Well, that is a tragedy. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Completely, completely. But coming up a little bit later in the show, we'll talk to Brian O'Rourke. He's a chef and owner of O'Rourke's Diner in Middletown about local diner history and specifically the history of O'Rourke's, which began back in 1941. In Middletown, Connecticut, you know I like to give a shout-out to my alma mater, Wesleyan, whenever I can. Absolutely. I I may or may not have spent a hungover morning. At O'Rourke's after a rugby match and then a party of sorts. Played the fifth. Maybe. Maybe not. (laughs) And when you think of diners, you don't immediately think of poetry, but we are going to introduce you to a Hartford poet who wrote hundreds of poems in diners across the state. And that's actually very cool. It was really super cool. But before we get into the history of diners and what makes diners such special places... We want to hear from you. Do you have a diner story or something you'd love to get from a diner or want to shout out one of your favorite diners? Give us a call. 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. We're interested in hearing about your favorite diners and, you know, just tell me, tell Marisol, tell all of us your diner story, your favorite food. We can't wait to hear it. Yes, because we know not all diners are known for their cuisine, and I'm not trying to offend any diner owners. But sometimes life-changing things happen in diners. And life-changing things meaning the food, but also meaning crazy events. Maybe you're a server at a diner and you've seen some amazing things happen at work. Maybe you've seen a proposal. Or two or three. Or or... you've seen a gaggle of people come in after prom. (laughs) How many people are in a gaggle? I have no idea, but let's get to our guest, shall we? Because he's probably like, (laughs) what have I just gotten myself into? Our guest for the hour is local author Mike Urban. He's written about diners for Yankee Magazine. He's also the author of The New England Diner Cook book. Mike, welcome to Season. Thanks for joining us. Real happy to be here. Thanks for having me out. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Now that you've, you too have been brought into the fold of the season, <laughs> crazy. So Mike, before we get into the culture of a diner, let's start with just a little bit of history because the history of diners is definitely, like I said before, a rabbit hole, but it's really, really interesting. Tell us a little history of diners, kind of where they started and why they started. Well, as you said before, diners did, in fact, start in the 1870s, or at least their roots uh, started in the 1870s uh, up in Providence, Rhode Island. 
uh, in the form of horse-drawn lunch carts. They're sort of little mini restaurants on wheels. The original um, food trucks. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Food trucks, that well, you can actually go inside and eat there. They weren't serving it out, the, out of the windows, but you oh. would actually go up and sit on a stool inside. You could hold eight or ten of people, diners. And uh, what they would do is they would pull up outside of factories uh, that were going 24 hours a day, and they would serve hot, cheap, good food to, uh, you know, Second and third shift factory workers getting on and off their shifts, and uh, the food developed. It became very popular, and um, that's how they kind of got started. And then, you know, closer to the 1900s, uh, they eventually lost the horses and uh, put them aside, and these things that lost their wheels, and they became actual closer to what we can know of diners as today. You know, actual you know uh, bricks and mortar type places. Only they're more steel. Uh, stainless steel and, uh, and glass places that uh, you know, grew and, 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 and prospered through the first half of the 20th century. And um, there was one company called the Worcester uh, Lunch Cart Company, which sort of got those first carts going that uh, do uh, developed for many years, uh, manufactured those uh, sort of rail car looking diners. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. With. And then there's also the, you know, like I said, that the, the uh, stainless steel and glass ones. So there were several companies that you know, were just manufacturing these things. What was unique is they would build these. They're like factory built restaurants. They would build them in a, in, a, in a factory and then ship them out either by rail or by truck when you know highways got going and then trucks were, became part of the picture, and plop these things down. You know, uh, many times in cities and in, in busy areas and near factories and and busy uh, highly. Uh, populated spots, but also out on country roads. They were popping up all over the place. It was sort of the first half of the 20th century was sort of, the, you know, the glory days of, of diners, so to speak. Um, come, you know, 1950s when McDonald's and Burger King and fast food started kicking in, that uh, sort of started, began began the slow decline of, uh, of diners at that time. But I have to say, diners are still alive and kicking uh, and uh, you know, pretty much all over the place in the Northeast anyway. Yeah, absolutely. You go up and down, uh, you know, I-95, you know, as you can see, there's plenty of diners along the roadsides there. And they're just wonderful places. I mean, they have a tradition of creating community, a sense of community, people coming to these places and uh, uh, dining there. And, you know, politicians like to show up these places, you know, when they're during election times to rub elbows with, you know, all the uh, the locals, the working class and, and uh, whatever. But, you know, it's, it's a really kind of interesting history. Uh, there are people who have written books about all the different styles of diners and things <laughs> like that. But the cuisine, you can tell it's all you know, pretty much the same. And like I say, it's not always, you know, highfalutin, but um, it's good, stick to your ribs, comfort food, and there's a, a never-ending demand for it. it and people get so serious about their diners, too. Oh, yeah. And I think this is going to happen all show, Montessor, is that uh, people are going to shout out their diners. We can go to line one, Valentine's on there, and she wants to talk about her favorite diner. We're having a little techno- technology. That's the, the, a little... the technology gremlins. Well, she wanted to shout out Sandy Hook Diner, which is one okay. of the ones I wanted to shout out as well because it's that's right down. Yes, it's really close to my neck of the woods. But again, one of those perfect little diners. It's almost. It's been there forever. People love it. Mike, I'm sure you've been there. The floor is actually a little bit on an angle because it's been there for well, so crooked. long. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> it's kind of funky. It's a little bit off center, but that's okay. It's right on the main street there. It's a, it's a wonderful place to go. Very, like I said, very community oriented. Wonderful. I I love that spot. I think that spot's fantastic. Now, weren't these places originally, Mike, which I think is so interesting, weren't they men-only establishments in the beginning? Yes, they were. And uh, what's interesting is as the, you know, the business uh, developed, you know, they were leaving out half of the, you know, the potential uh, customer base. And what they did is they did things to try and attract women to come in. What 
their initial problem was that it was considered unladylike in the early the you know, early 1900s for ladies to sit on stools. So right. uh, some diners, the Worcester uh, diner car company started putting signs on the outside saying booth service. This is where some of the booths came from. When you oh. think of a way a diner's laid out, there's a counter with stools along it. On the other side of the counter, it's usually a griddle or some kind of cooking you know, devices over there. And then on the in back of the uh, stools by the windows are, uh, are booths. So those were initially put in to attract uh, women in. And they also put signs on some of these Worcester diner cars saying, ladies invited, huh. you know, so that, you know, this is, they eventually you know, turned the tide and, you know, they became uh, culturally acceptable for people of any and all gender to come in and uh, have a good uh, meal. Well, thank goodness for that. <laughs> <laughs> no. It was a wise business move and, 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 a, and just a smart thing to do all the way around, obviously. Well, I do want to remind our listeners, we are live. This is our favorite time of the month where we take calls from you. So if you would like to call us and shout out your favorite diner, please do so. The number is 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. Mike, you know, I think I sort of said tongue-in-cheek that food at diners is not necessarily, you know, culinary excellence. But I don't think you go there to get the top-shelf food. Part of the culture there is just the people and the characters. Can you talk to us about that? Uh, yes, that's a good point. Um, you know, they're, they're really sort of every man's place, every person's place, as we'll say. Um, you, you find people, you know, a, a cop sitting next to a, you know, a local politician, sitting next to a teacher, sitting next to... Uh, you know, a ditch digger, whatever. It, everybody goes in there and it, just the almost architecture of the place, the layout engenders, uh, you know, conversation between people who are there. And uh, as a such, you know, it, it brings people from the community into a if smaller community, sort right. of a microcosm of it. And, and people, you know, they interact with people they otherwise might not normally talk to. All over again, this, you know, this great comfort food, this warm, you know, stuff, you know, this great, this wonderful cuisine that, uh, you know, satisfies the soul, satisfies its tummy. Right. I think our phone lines are back up. Let's see Fantastic. if we can get Valentine back here on the line, on line one. Valentine, are you with us? Yes, I'm here this time. I apologize. Right. We're having some technical issues, but we've got it all fixed. We're very, very technologically uh, advanced over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as long as you're culinarily advanced, that's the important part. I hope so. Uh, tell us about your favorite diner. My favorite diner is the Sandy Hook Diner. Uh, just off 84 in Sandy Hook. Yeah. And there you will find community. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of our favorites, one of my favorite spots actually in Newtown. Uh, I live in Newtown and uh, Sandy Hook Diner, like we said before, it's so fun. So much personality in this one little building. I, that's the fun part about, it, I think, when it comes to diners is the personality that each one of them seems to have myself. Yeah. Mike, thoughts about yes. that? It feels like you're the expert how many diners have you seen, been to? How many diners do we well, have in this fine state of ours? Yeah, well, in, I'll talk about New England in general. I've been to dozens and dozens of diners because I wrote this diner cookbook about you know six, seven years ago. And so I was covering the six-state region. Uh, in Connecticut, you know, I'd probably say I've been to at least 20, 25 diners, different diners at one time or another. Uh, some more so than others, but uh, you know the diner culture and the diner population is actually still quite healthy here. I believe um, you know, there has been some concern about diners closing too rapidly, but I think you know there are plenty of places out there, a wide variety of, uh, of places. Well, Matt on line two wants to talk to us a little bit about a dish that's a diner dish, but not made here very often. Matt, we got with us. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Oh yeah. Yes. 
What you got for the show today? Yeah, I want, I want to talk about Scrapple. It's a, a mid-Atlantic <laughs> thing, and you don't really find it in the Northeast, and I want to know why. It's so delicious. <laughs> He's got a great well, point. I, Scrapple is a, yeah. a fantastic dish. Uh, Matt, can you just tell us really quick before we throw our two cents in about Scrapple? What's in the best Scrapple, in your opinion? I don't even know what Scrapple is made of, but I think that's part of the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Scrapple, like he was saying, very mid-Atlantic. I think Delaware. I think Virginia. Um, it's a great question. We don't see a lot of Scrapple up here, Mike. No, we don't. It, it is really you're right. It's a mid-Atlantic dish more than anything else. It's something that I have a, our youngest of four kids uh, attended Temple, and I got down there and was able to uh, belly up to a coffee shop or a diner down there and and tried uh, Scrapple a couple times. Very interesting dish, I'll say. Uh, but you really don't find it up here in, in New England. It, it really is sort of a southeastern, you know, you know, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, that, that region uh, dish that's very, very popular down there. It has all kinds of interesting things in it. Scrapple's delicious. I grew up eating Scrapple. I grew up in Virginia, so Scrapple's something I definitely grew up. We also would have SOS, which is another... What's SOS? Uh, it's it's chip, creamed chip beef on a piece of white toast, but we would the SOS stood for something different, something on a shingle. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mike, I wonder if we could talk about Gold Rock Diner in West Hartford. I know it closed in August, um, but the diner community is, you know, they're they're having to get creative as we head into year two of the pandemic. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I, uh, I heard about the Gold Rock uh, closing. Um, it's one of those things, you know, it, it, it's a sort of a two-edged sword. Uh, yes, diners, you're right, they're challenged. I mean, they're not really uh, takeout type operations when say the Delta variant came back and people had to start ducking for cover again uh, and got shy about coming in. Not the kind of cuisine that really carries very well, kind of like deep fried seafood. It's great when you have it there, but you know, it's, it's t- you get it home 20 minutes later and it's not quite what you want it to be. However, I, I have noticed, I mean, in my opinion, the diner community in, in Connecticut and, and throughout New England actually has been resilient. I mean, they, they've really hung in there. They like all, restaurant types had to hunker down during the really tough part of the darkest days of the uh, of the pandemic but they've all i think you know held their own in a lot of ways they had to cut back a lot of diners i'm familiar with in connecticut you know uh, uh, zips diner for instance up in northeastern connecticut in the quiet corner they got a, a circus tent out in front of their place yeah, they had yeah. good fortune having a large parking lot but they were able to move their you know their service outside you know weather permitting um and others you know the same thing orem diner and wilton you know did the same thing they they put a big tent out front yeah. and they had the distance dining inside. So I, I think it's in pretty good shape. But yeah, the, you're right. It's, kind of, it's not the kind of food that really carries very well, you know, in a go bag. Right. Yeah, diner food's tough to go. Well, listeners, we want to hear from you about diners, your favorite diner, your favorite food from a diner, your diner history. You want to call and shout us out? We'd love to hear it. Give us a call at 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR to join the conversation. Welcome back to Seasoned. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. We're live this week, and we're talking about diners, what makes them so special, so cool, whether it's early in the morning, late at night. Uh, Mike Urban, the author of the New England Diner Cookbook, is our guest for the hour. Yeah, we're excited to talk to him, and we want to talk to you, too. So give us a call at 888-720-9677 or 888-720-WNPR to share your diner tradition. 
or show some of your favorite diner love out there. Give them a shout out. I'm going to use this opportunity to shout out Coffee Ann in Westport, Connecticut. Oh. Woo -woo. They only take cash. They, they, they do. They do. They've been around for 100,000 years. They only take cash. That's so funny. Uh, we know lots of you love O'Rourke's Diner in Middletown. It has been a Connecticut institution for 80 years. Brian O'Rourke has been cooking in the family diner since 1958. He is joining us now by phone to talk about the family business. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Oh, thanks for having me. In full disclosure, I have to say I am a proud graduate of Wesleyan University. <laughs> Here we go. I like to give them a shout-out whenever I can. So I know your establishment quite well. I cannot always say I was lucid when I went in there, but I was always respectful. And eight. <laughs> and what eight. year did you graduate? I graduated, in, I graduated in 96. I probably went there with the rugby team. You know. Nice. Yeah. So thank you for giving us memories and for filling our bellies. Thank you. <laughs> So, Brian, we understand that in the early days, your uncle would order coffee cups by the tens of thousands because O'Rourke's was a place for all the workers in town to come get coffee. What was the diner like when you started peeling potatoes and washing dishes for your uncle in the late 50s? I have vivid memory. I'll tell you one story about a delivery of coffee cups that came. And uh, my uncle was, uh, I'm not sure if the cost of the cup went from a penny to two pennies or what, but he had a connection who bought him a quarter of a million coffee cups. And then a quarter of a million. And I know that because I took them off of the tractor trailer and I put them in Vic Galanto's garage down on Portland Street. And I used to go down. In those days, we probably would sell, I would say, between over 500 coffees a day to go. Oh, my gosh. Uh, coffee, coffee, when I started, was a nickel. At night, at 8 o'clock at night, it was a dime. Uh, until 4 o'clock in the morning when the working people started, it was a nickel again. But uh, coffee, um, we lived by our coffee. We, we had it roasted in Hartford by a company called Supreme. Uh, the family is still still around. There's a, there's a different name. It's not the same company, but it's one of the brothers. Omar is the name of the of that coffee up in Hartford, but co coffee is a big thing, and it, and it still is. We still serve uh, we still serve a good cup of coffee. Um, we're not clay colas, and we're not one of these fancy spancy mm -hmm, ones. But mm -hmm. uh, straightforward, we have a good cup. I think uh, what what's a, a staple of a diner, one of the staples of a diner is coffee. Another staple are the regulars. <laughs> and I know you have a specific culture about regulars and then regular regulars at O'Rourke's. Well, well, the word regular, you know, it's today it's nothing like it was in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Today, through all the years, uh, we, we become um, a destination uh, place. We, we still have regulars, but it's not regulars like the same man that sat in the same seat every morning at 9 o'clock. And if you were sitting in that seat, we moved them so the man could sit where he belongs. You could you That's could funny. tell uh, what time of day it was just by looking and see who was sitting in the diner. How cool is that? I mean, that was my clock. Um, to this day, uh, Wesleyan. Wesleyan used to be uh, an all-male school. Mm -hmm. Just like the diner, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it all makes uh, sense. That's, that's not true. 
I mean, every place was an all-male place back then, so that's that's a whole different show. But um, back back in the '60s, I'll say, Wesleyan used to have buses that came down from Mount Holyoke and uh, um, Smith, and it used to come in 10:17 every Friday night, every Saturday night, 10:17. Wow! And it went back. It went back at 3:17 in the morning. Oh, and wow. at 10 15, the guy next door would come over and get a coffee. And he that? would be walking across the street to meet the bus. How about um, that? That's that's the way things were back 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 then. Um, t- today we're we're blessed. I mean, we, we have a tremendous following through Westland is some of my biggest followings. But um, through through our food today, I mean, food today is. Uh, we're pretty passionate about what we do, and, and I have a good team right now, and it's running a little bit different than it has for 60 years. Uh, we're doing it with all kitchen help. Uh, we're doing it with all short order cook, myself, uh, two dishwashers, and, and we do everything. We're still ordering online. We're still cashing out online. This is what my medical experts have guided me in, and for me right now at this stage in my life, it's working. It's fun, and we, I enjoy each and I enjoy each and every day. And we are so fortunate that you continue to do all the work that you love, and that you're still around to love it. I'm going to go on a out on a limb and thank you on behalf of the entire Wesleyan community. Because if you're not aware of it, O'Rourke's go for Brian's breakfast. You will be surprised. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you and your time with us here on Seasoned. It's it's my pleasure. You guys are doing a great job. Thank Thanks, you. Brian. We appreciate you. And, of course, we have phone calls galore right now where everyone wants to shout out their diner and talk about it. Let's go over to line one and talk to Marco in Groton. They're still working it out. <laughs> oh, now we're going to line three. All right, line three. Chris, are you with us? Yeah, I'm with you. How there you he is. I'll tell you what. If you knew what was happening, if you guys could see the the amount we have 475 people here at Connecticut <laughs> Public that actually work in this room and they are working feverishly to get our phone lines working properly Chris but the good news is is that we've got I, you I up and that's what matters I was a fireman so I appreciate good communications and also some of the problems that can be uh, it can crop up <laughs> that's what makes us stronger Chris that's what it is right tell us a little bit about indeed, your indeed indeed that which we survive right. I got to tell you I got to give a shout out to Brian um, we had not only political events over uh, at O'Rourke's, but also a fallen firefighter. They had a, a training uh, chief who uh, they did a fundraiser there and probably more than one. Uh, they've been, along with the Wesleyan community, they've been a great supporter of the first responder community. Yeah. So wow. big shout out to Brian. So I, I grew up driving down to Clearwater Beach with my mother, the youngest of five, and <clears throat> she'd always stop at diners along the way to get a nap and, and get a bite. Um, even when 95 ended and 301 took us through the Okefenokee Swamp for a while there. But that's uh, my favorite diner. Somebody referenced Scrapple and, and <laughs> Lancaster, PA. I went up to Penn State, and the old college diner and their sticky buns remain a mm. uh, legend. Unfortunately, the diner closed, I think, in the last year. But the legend uh, remains with sticky buns. So uh, that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on those early morning uh, dubious mental state uh, trips to the local diner during college. But uh, that was that was mine. 
Well, that's amazing. We appreciate you. Thank you for shouting them out. And those sticky buns are something I have mm. to, you know, I'm a big sticky bun fan. I love sticky buns. Then go to Coffee Ann. I'm yeah. telling you. Really? In Westport. They're yes. good, huh? They're, they're the size of your face. Wow. They're so good. Um, our friend Valentine, who called a little bit ago, also oh. shouted back out to us and wanted everyone to know our friend Matt, who called as well. Uh, Scrapple is served at the Sandy Hook Diner. Excuse me? FYI. Just letting everybody know that. Run walk. Let's get Mike Urban back in here. Mike, apparently we can get Scrapple here in Connecticut. How about that? That's news to me, but I'm glad to hear it. That's right. We want to hear more about your favorite diners and things you love about diner and diner food. Give us a call at 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR to join us on the air with our amazing phone system that we have. Speaking of that, let's take one more call. Let's go over to Marco on line one. Marco, welcome to the show. What you got for us? Hello. Thanks for having this show in the first place. I never had Scrapple at the Sandy Hook Diner. But just about every summer when I was a little kid, my grandpa would take me down there. We were walking distance, and I would have an English muffin and chocolate milk. Oh, and that place amazing. Was really amazing. But I want to mention Ploff's Cup and Saucer up in Pawtucket, where my mother, my father's mother and father either met or hung out all the time. And then Zip's Diner, I met my birth mother for the very first time. It was sort of a halfway point. It was closer to me. But wow. she lived up in Zip Switch. But we decided that's where we would just meet up. We would each drive there, and we spent four hours drink, you know, drinking coffee, eating an omelet, and t- catching up on each other's lives. And then lastly, I live in Groton. I went to grade school with the Brochus. Their dad was the Norm of Norm's Diner. Oh. And he started Norm's in the back of a little bar called Sportsman's Cafe, where from closing on, you couldn't drink anymore, but you could eat and drink coffee all you wanted, and it was cash only. And he just flipped burgers and made omelets and all that, and he stored up all the cash and bought that whole property, I guess. Well, that's the that? legend. I'm not sure how, you know, if 80% of that's true or what. But then he opened Norm's Diner and Norm's Lounge, and the rest is history. Wow. Marco, you're like a walking diner encyclopedia. We appreciate that. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining us. You know, I, I Mike... Something that Marco said, which I think for me really symbolizes the diner as like the cultural institution. He started off by saying his favorite meal was an English muffin with hot chocolate with Mm. his family. Mm -hmm. But then he went from that to years later going there, not for the food, but to meet his birth mother. In your experience with diners and the the culture of diner, is this something that you, you see often is it something that is unique to diners that's not necessarily unique to, you know, five-star restaurants or food trucks? Well, perhaps not in the same uh, dramatic A to Z method uh, uh, that Marco demonstrated there, you know, going from, from birth to, uh, to meeting birth mother. Uh, but you do hear, I hear a lot of stories about people who reminisce about and return to places, you know, diners that their parents took them to when they were kids, say, after church on a Sunday. It was like a great tradition, you know. Mom and dad would take us to a place and we would, you know, have these, you know, wonderful meals and all this interaction and see neighbors and stuff like that. It was a very convivial community kind of setting. That I've heard a lot about. I've seen plenty of that. And there are in, in many diners. I know Brian says, and he's right, you know, there aren't the same people sitting in the same stool all the time. But they have a real regular, steady uh, customer base, most of these diners, people who come in, you know, that, that are just, you know, the financial core of what keeps these things alive, it keeps them going. People just have a real you know, strong nostalgic sense for these things as well. It and, becomes part uh, of your family yeah, almost, you know. Yeah. It becomes something that your whole, yeah, your whole family kind of just becomes – 
ingrained into like this is my diner. This right. is where we go. Right. You know. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, but as you say, uh, Mary, you know, like the five star restaurants. You know, those you go to and they're wonderful. You know, but they're you know once in a while you do that kind right. of thing. Diners are places you go to and just you know kick back and re- you relax. It's comfort food. You feel comfortable there. You feel like you're you know in your family's kitchen in a certain way, and then everybody lets their hair down a little bit, and you know you can do things you know and say things you wouldn't do and say right. you know in a in a, in a, a more upscale uh, environment and there's something to be said for that you know i think it's a very important part of uh, american culture or any culture really have that kind of for sure uh, outlet right. place to, to gather well i want to get some of mike's favorite diners here in a second but we've got brendan on line two he's checking in with the show brendan welcome to the season what do you got for us today well, uh, Mark mentioned uh, Norm, so I just want to touch on that a little more. I've been going there for years. I love that place. It's a real classic diner. But um, the six, de- six degrees of separation uh, when it comes to diners, I was uh, deployed overseas a few years ago and ended up at an air base in Qatar. And if you've been to Norm's, you know that they sell di- dark blue T-shirts with a pair of fried eggs on the front that says Norm's Diner. And there in the lounge was a woman wearing a Norm's Diner T-shirt. What? No way. <laughs> And I said, you've got to be from southeastern Connecticut. And she goes, well, actually, I'm not. But she had come up to uh, one of the casinos for a concert. And then after the concert, found Norm's Diner and obviously had to buy a shirt and ended up wearing it in Qatar. So How about that? Story. That is very cool. Now, just before we get you out of here, do you, did you ever tell that story to the diner, to the owners of the diner? I, you know what? I haven't. I'll have to, I'll have to get in there and mention it to oh, them. Oh, you got to. That's got to be good for a cup of coffee or something, at least. Jeez. Yeah, at least, right? <laughs> at least. We appreciate you, Brendan. Thank you very much. Before we get into Mike's shout-outs, too, to kind of start off the shout-outs with that, let's go to line five and talk to Jesse from Canton. Jesse, welcome to Season. What you got for us today? Well, uh, we think we've lost Jesse, so we'll hopefully maybe get... Hopefully we'll get that connection back. That's right. But, Mike, what are a couple of your uh, um, um, favorite diners you like in the state? Uh, let me rattle off a few here. Uh, first off, uh, Brian O'Rourke at O'Rourke's Diner, probably yes. my favorite diner in Connecticut. I've been going there mm-hmm. regularly, uh, you know, not daily, but uh, really just an absolutely wonderful, very unique place. He does incredible things there in the kitchen, uh, Brian himself, uh, and uh, uh, it's just a, a phenomenal place where they have good, solid, you know, broad diner menu but a lot of stuff that he just comes up with on a daily basis you know these really interesting things he kind of riffs on in the kitchen when he finds out what he has in uh, in his storage bins every morning when he shows up uh, a couple other ones in western connecticut that, that i like to mention uh the laurel diner uh in southbury peter homick is oh, the yeah. master of the diner griddle he uh, makes what many consider to be the best corned beef hash anywhere. Mm. Uh, he also, his other thing is uh, uh, hash browns that are incredible. Uh, really small, you know, nondescript whitewash. You know, doesn't really look that much like a diner. Little restaurant just kind of tucked off on uh, uh, South Main Street, but a wonderful place. Another one, Dottie's Diner. Mm. Uh, Dory Ferry has this place in Woodbury. Um, and it's a little bit more upscale, has kind of this, you know, fifties retro chic kind of thing, you know, Bobby socks and, and <laughs> whatever, but her food is phenomenal. And she just did, I think she used to work up with the Mayflower, uh, in, oh, in Washington, in Washington. Yeah. Yeah. very upscale, you know, five-star uh, resort, uh, and restaurants. And she bought into this diner and she just, you know, rolls out that she stuck with the original menu, uh, that the Phillips family had going along and she stuck with their donuts. They had these incredible donuts there that some people think are the best donuts in New England, if not the nation. Wow. Uh, not, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts type stuff, but the real cakey kind of things, you know, mm-hmm. substantial and, and very flavorful. Uh, excellent meatloaf, wonderful chicken pot pies. 
Um, those are sort of the three at the top of my list. Others that I'll mention out Norms, you know, I'm here in Old Say Rook, uh, and Norms is not too far away. Love Norms, the Norms Burger is a great thing to go there and have. And it's a great spot that's open 24 hours only on Saturday nights, probably for the party crowd, you know, to come in and have a place to uh, sober up before they head on home. Um, a couple others. Oh, one I'd like to give a shout out to the Macris Diner. This is on um, the Berlin Turnpike in Wethersfield, uh, owned by a Polish uh, woman, Eva Nowak, who sort of was uh, pumping gas one day and somebody said, hey, there's a diner for sale, you know, down the road, are you interested in buying it? You know, just uh, serendipitous, she wanted them took a look at it and bought it, she's owned it, I think, for at least 10 years. Uh, but she does uh, you know, nice, good, straightforward diner food, uh, and uh, she has a very nice Polish platter. It hmm. has, okay. you know, kielbasa and pierogies and uh, everything else on there, stuffed cabbage, just something a little bit different from the diner, regular diner, uh, diner fare. Of all that food so and uh, yeah, you know, that's, you know, you got uh, Zips Diner up in uh, the Northeast part of the state, as I mentioned, and uh, Olympia is a gigantic, almost battleship uh, sized diner also on the Berlin Turnpike down in uh, Newington. You know, there's a huge wide variety of these things. You know, Sandy Hook, as you mentioned, a very different neighborhoody kind of place. And they come in yeah. all different shapes and sizes. To me, you know, diners are defined more by their menu than by their architecture. You know, but you can sort of guess, you know, you can inherently feel you know, what, what you expect to go to find on a diner menu when you go in there. You know, the meatloaf, you know, the great breakfast fare, you know, waffles, omelets, all that kind of stuff. Um, and there's plenty of stuff to choose from here in Connecticut. I, I would guess there's probably must be in the low hundreds, but, you know, still plenty of diners out there to explore and check out. Man, I might leave the show early and go get some of this Polish platter. That sounds amazing. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. check now, it out. Now I suddenly want waffles mm. with whipped cream and <laughs> strawberries. Yeah. We're going to take a short break, but don't worry. There's still so much time to call in and talk to us about your favorite greasy spoon. The number is 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. You're listening to Seasoned. We'll be right back. Hash browns. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. If you're joining us, we're live this week with local author Mike Urban, and we've been talking about diners and diner culture. Oh, yeah. And now, when you think of diners, you don't automatically think of art. But we heard about a Hartford poet who spent years eating breakfast and writing poems in diners across the state. And we spoke with him last week on Zoom. Brett Maddox is a Hartford poet. His poetry collection, Regent, was published in 2016. His Instagram, at Diners of Connecticut, includes hundreds of beautiful black and white photos of breakfasts he's had alone and with friends in diners across the state. His most recent collection, Algorithm Hymns, was released early this year and is available at witcheswhypress.com. Brett Maddox, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So you've literally written hundreds of poems in diners all over this fine state of ours. What is it about Connecticut diners that inspires you to make art? So at the time, when I first started going to diners to write, 
I guess this will start to injure you off on a sad note. I apologize, but my mother had died. And at the time, I needed to uh, come up with a new way to get out of the house every day, build new habits, I suppose. And so I started trying to just wake up every day and kind of set the day off right and go someplace that I had never been before and just do some writing. And so I started going to diners and I had one friend who, to this day, I will always be grateful for. There was maybe five people who knew I went to diners to write poetry and he told me that he enjoyed it and that he thought I was doing a good job and I should keep going. Uh, as always, I try to take the advice of my friends. And so there's something about making art in a place that is maybe not, if you go to a museum, there's art there. If you go to theater, there's art there. But if you go to a diner, there's nobody who really makes art. And so uh, it was kind of nice to go to a place that is not inherently artistic and kind of use that time and use use those mornings to kind of just sit and write and process emotions, I suppose. It's interesting to me that you would, I mean, be at a diner of all places, you know, I mean, you could sit outside and watch passersby on the street, or you could sit in your backyard, but you did it at a diner. I mean, I guess it's kind of some of the best people watching on the planet there, huh? Right. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. You get to meet strangers, you get to meet, you know, waitresses, uh, you get to meet uh, everybody who's there. And then you, fortunately, you know, you get to also bring your friends along with you. So usually I go out by myself, but then after I've been doing it for a little while, people would asked me to get breakfast with them. And that was, you know, always a great blessing in my life. So the ability to just sort of sit quietly and actually talk about life with the people that you love is, you know, is a great way to spend the morning for sure. Was it more about the people at the diner or the stories that you would see or the stories you'd make in your head about the people? I'm just trying to figure out where that creativity flows from. Well, it's also, I mean, I will say this, like if you go to like Main Street Diner in Plainville is a good example because it's pretty small. If you go there, like, you know, six in the morning, seven in the morning, there's maybe two or three other people there. And this is true of every time, you know, you go to all over the place. Um, I went to every diner in the state. And so you get to see who is, whose local diner is this, you know, who comes every day. I would always be, I'm six, six, which obviously you can't tell right now, but I'm like a big freakishly tall man. <laughs> um, and so I would be this very, a stranger sort of lumbering into some of these places and just filling out his place, I would imagine. But if you are nice and if you just, try to chat with people and demonstrate that, then typically they're willing to talk about life. And it also, as we were talking about before, but, you know, if you're there to make art, most people don't really like poetry, to be honest, <laughs> and, or really think about it that much. And so to tell people that you're going around writing poetry, it, it adds an, a different element to the, the conversation, I would say. And people are more interested in trying to understand why you are writing poetry and what it is that you're writing poetry about, I guess. Right. Brett, is there a specific diner that resonates with you or that gave you, you know, a particular feeling or or inspired you in some way, shape, or form? Because a lot of diners in Connecticut. There are a lot of diners. Also, Connecticut is such a fairly small state, so you can get around to many of them if you have the inclination. The one that stands out most is there's a place in West Hartford, Connecticut, uh, which is called Quaker Diner. I'm sure that y'all have been there, but it's like a basically like a row of benches in sort of like a brick shotgun building. Particularly the reason I like it is the way the light comes in there in the morning when you are there bright and early. It has like a very beautiful ambiance, I suppose. And so for a long time, I would go there. I went for 10 days in a row. So I would do 10 mornings in a row with 10 different people. And we would have 10 conversations. I would write 10 poems. And then the next year, I'd do that again. So I probably went Quaker Diner dozens of times just to meet my friends and and do some writing. So that's the place when I think about like 
what I will remember from having written in diners over so many years. Like I, when I die, I will think of the Quaker Diner for sure. So it's a beautiful place. This is just a chef question. I mean, sorry, everyone. I just have to ask, do you order the same thing at the diner all the time or do you get different food? So I am a vegetarian to set that table. Um, (laughs) And so you sort of, I also have a tremendous sweet tooth. So I like to eat things that are delicious, I guess. And so some places you go and, if you're feeling more savory, I would get the veggie omelet or they have, there's like an omelet that has tomato and feta and some green spicy leaf type thing. So I'd get one of those two omelets or if I was feeling dangerous and like I wanted to eat something sweet, then I would get pancakes. There's a place in Madison, I think, called Crispy that makes these like pancakes that are stunning, like so amazing. And so often you know, you have like what you like to get, but then some places you go to and you're like, oh, I got to get the thing that they're really good at. Also, there's a place in Middletown called O'Rourke that has that same thing where if you like talk to that guy, he'll make you just some random assortment of stuff if you ask him for it. And it always turns out to be quite beautiful. So, um, Brett, I wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing a verse with us, something that you've written while sitting at one of these diners. Sure, I'd be happy to do that. There's one uh, that's called They Have Cake, which is, I guess, not really about diners. It's about getting older, uh, which I imagine anyone listening can relate to. And so, yeah, this is uh, a poem called They Have Cake. Not sure what getting old is like, but the days just keep coming. And then one day you look around and it doesn't feel any different. But somehow all this time has passed and you're 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and the whole time you keep thinking it'll make sense soon and then there you are and they have cake it's amazing fantastic fantastic brett thank you so much for adding your voice and experience to our celebration of connecticut's diners we really appreciate you thank you thank you for having me and thanks for talking about diners it's a great thing to talk about That was Brett Maddox. He is a Hartford poet. His poetry collection, Regent, was published in 2016. Check him out. He waxes poetic about diners and is pretty fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool to write poetry while you're sitting in a Mm -hmm. diner just based off what you see. I think that's amazing. Right. Let's take another call. We got Amy on line five. Amy, welcome to season. What do you have for us today? Well, um, I just wanted to resurrect the memory of my favorite diner. Uh, which was in New Haven. It was called the Yankee Doodle, right next to Yale Campus on Broadway. Okay, so we're resurrecting it. Yeah, what what was it about that diner you love so much? Well, it was just a little hole in the wall, and it had all of that metallic interior. (sighs) And there were only, you know, you faced one side, you could go in, and there were only about, I don't know, like 10 seats or something. So everyone had to wait outside, and then you could get something that was, you know, I don't know. It was it was it was relatively cheap um, for students around there, and they had this terrific advertisement of of you know on the exterior of some kind of person who was who was Yankee Doodle. But um, but they you know they got rid of it when they gentrified that area of Yale, and wow. I, was, I couldn't believe that it went because it should have been a historic monument because it was so cool. But I want to say one other thing, um, and that is you know I'm originally from Minnesota. And one thing is I used to love to go to diners for breakfast. And one thing, in New England, they have this thing called home fries, which are basically fried <laughs> potatoes. Yeah. And they're kind of orange in color. 
And it's kind of like the potatoes are preheated. And I have to say, I've never really been able, uh, you know, to, to, to really get behind home fries. But back in the Midwest, we eat uh, hash browns, which are, you know, where they're more like, they're, you know, shredded, right? Side, yeah. They're still like raw potatoes. On the other side, they're fry, fried. I love those. And so that's one improvement I would like to see to diner breakfast. She's starting a movement. That's what the plan is, Monty She's starting a movement. Do uh, it. I love those as well. But I'm also a fan of home fries. I kind of like all potatoes. If you're going to fry a potato, I'll definitely eat it. 1,000%. Let's go to Jason with us right now. Jason, uh, what do you got for the show? I'm calling from Deep River, and right in the center of town, we've got one stoplight. There's a diner called Holly Joe Corner Cafe. I feel like it really makes the town. You know, it's got tables outside right on the corner there. Just gives us kind of that Norman Rockwell feel. Oh, I love it. Um, And inside it's yeah, it's got those, like, classic brown diner's booths. And um, you know, your guest was just talking about pancakes, and their pancakes are great. They're, like, an inch thick. You can get them with banana and walnut. Fantastic. Well, Jason, you broke up a little bit. Just say the name of that diner one more time for us because I, I think it might be a really cool place to check out. Oh, yeah. It's Hallie Joe's Corner Cafe. Hallie Joe's. And, um, Joe's. Yeah, I started going there when my, when my daughter was about three months old, and she's four now. And uh, we sent them a Christmas card with her, and they put it on the wall. So it's Aww. that kind of place. That's you fantastic. made the Hall of Fame. That's fantastic. Uh, Mike, let's get Mike back here on the show. Mike, isn't it cool to hear people call in and shout out all these great places? I've never heard of Hallie Joe's. I haven't heard of it either. I, I know where he's talking about. It used to be something else back 20, 25 years ago when I used to haunt the streets of Deep River. But, yeah, it's great because people just they latch onto these places and, and they, they create these incredible memories, you know, uh, culinary and, and, and personal. Uh, you know, when they go to these places, it's they, they become you know part of the fabric of their you know their their culinary history and their their culture and what they like. Um, yeah, it, it, they're yeah. they're just wonderful places in that regard. That's great, Mike. We asked you about your favorite re- uh, your favorite diners. What's your favorite thing to order? Oh dear! You Let's only see. get one We're choice. You only get one. You only get one. <laughs> Give only three. one thing. Give them three. All right. So I will uh, I will uh, go up now. I'll tell you what. It'll probably be the Dublin or omelet. At O'Rourke's Diner, Ooh. and that's he, Brian O'Rourke has an Irish, uh, you know, uh, inflection on a lot of his dishes there, and so it's got, uh, you know, it's made with Irish butter, Irish cheddar cheese, um, uh, Irish bacon, um, straddled over the top. A close second would be those uh, uh, that corned beef hash that I mentioned uh, that Peter Homick makes at uh, the Laurel Diner. That's that's incredible. And I got to throw in one more. You said, uh, yeah, only one. I'm going to give you three. Uh, the meatloaf at Dottie's Diner. Man, I love a good meatloaf. And I tell you what, we asked on Instagram, on our CT Public at Instagram, we took a poll, what's some of your favorite go-to diner foods, things to order? At Memory Cell says the grilled cheese is always a Mm -hmm. go-to. At Casey, I'm going to mess his name up, Trisig says hash and eggs. Can't go wrong with that either. And uh, Mm -hmm. another one I like, Expedition Food says a Belgian waffle with a side salad, French dressing, eggs benedict, hot turkey sandwich, or a cheeseburger club. I thought that was one order. (laughs) Apparently I was wrong. That was <laughs> myriad, myriad orders. You can never go wrong with a turkey club. That's right. Or a French toast by CT Food, run hey. by our very own Camila Vallejo. That's it. Mike, listen, we appreciate you so much for joining us here on the show today and giving us all of your vast knowledge of information. Uh, Mike is a contributor to Yankee Magazine, the author of the New England Diner Cookbook, the New England Seafood Markets Cookbook, and his latest book is Unique Eats and Eateries of Connecticut. 
Also, shout out to Brian O'Rourke and Brett Maddox. Seasoned is produced by Robin Doyen-Aiken and Katie Tularski. Test Terrible helped with the phones today, and Katie worked the board. I'm Chef Flom. And I'm Marisol Castro. Thanks so much for listening. And bakers, you'll want to catch next week's show. We're talking with Valerie Lomas, author of Life is What You Bake It. Chocolate chip cookies are involved. Oh, See I love you next chocolate week. chip cookies. They're so good. See you next week.